You're the king. 
God be the glory. Great things He has done. Amen. Happy New Year. Why don't you stand together with us and let's sing together. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Happy New Year! Y'all, you sound like it's raining on the inside. It rains only on the outside of you. You got the light of Christ within you, so let's do it right. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 
There we go. Y'all have a seat for just a moment. If you would take out your order of worship, you'll find inside a blue communication card. We'd love to get to know a little bit about you. So if you have prayer requests, there's a place for that. If you're updating your contact information, there's a place for that. And yes, we'd like for you to fill that out as well. So we're going to collect those at the end of the service, but just you have plenty of time to fill it out. But we'd ask that you would do that throughout the day. Let's pray together. Father, the praise has already gone up to you, but I pray that it's just the beginning, that we would continue that throughout this service, that you would hear our voice to you, and that would prepare us to hear your voice back to us in just a few minutes. So I pray in Christ's name, amen. I pray that this year is just another one of, not another year, but a different year where we exclaim our adoration for the Lord in ways that we've never done before. My Jesus, I love thee. I know that thou art mine. Would you lift your voices together in song as we sing just this hymn of praise and adoration to the Father. My Jesus, I love thee.
voice is good news. Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunities to come to the, your house, to sing praises to you, and to worship you. We thank you, our Father, for the opportunity to give back to you the, a bit of your blessings to us, and we pray that you will take the funds that are given, that you will double them and make them worthy of your use in telling the name of Jesus around the world and that he is the savior of the world. Lead us, we pray, and guide us in this hour for Jesus' sake. Amen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy joy he has come for us this jesus he's the hope for all mankind he has come for us the blood 
shepherds brought tidings of the same how that in bethlehem was born the son of god by name oh tidings of comfort and joy comfort and joy oh tidings of comfort and joy he has come awful, the pastor's out, and most of the church is sick, and you showed up. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you not know that this is the week you're supposed to lay out, right? This, is, this was the time. You missed it. So you're locked in for the rest of the year. And uh, so I'm very excited to be here. My name is Jamie Gilliland, in case we haven't met. Uh, I'm the campus minister at LSU of Alexandria. Uh, my much better half is Dr. Sandy Gilliland. Uh, she's a uh, professor, counselor, wonderful person. My kids are Thomas and Micah. And I want to thank you as a church for uh, being the, the family for us as we are not from this place. My wife is from Arizona. I'm from a, a, a little place you know, far to the east of here that we don't really talk about much during football season. It's called Alabama. We just won't talk about it a lot. And, uh, and I graduated from a little community college there somewhere in Tuscaloosa. And you don't really hear about it much. And, uh, but it, and of course, we met in New Mexico as those things happened naturally, you know, those, those things. And so we lived in Oklahoma. And the church, when we moved there, the church became our family as we were looking for a place that was equally inconvenient for both sides to get to. And uh, so we, we wound up there. And, the, and we uh, became members and family with Memorial Heights Baptist Church. 
and we loved it. And they, they embraced us. And, and when the Lord started calling us to Louisiana, we just, we did not know what was going to happen. That was the biggest, uh, the biggest stressor was finding a fellowship a beautiful, sweet, wonderful fellowship uh, that we could raise our children in. And in the process, we talked to people and they said, okay, these are the top five churches you need to visit. And of course, First Pineville was one of them. And when we came here, uh, we were very surprised that, uh, and I don't know why we were surprised, but we'd never been a member of a First Baptist anything. And uh, so we came here, we were amazed at how much God spoke to us just sitting there uh, in the sanctuary. You probably remember that place. So we've got some space over there that you'll see one day, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, but we, would, we came in, we sat, and we listened, and the music and the message, it just really nourished our soul. The church loved on our children, so I thank you for that. And I thank you so much. This is an opportunity when Pastor Stewart called and said, uh, Jamie, would you be willing to speak on the 31st? Which today, by the way, is our 12th wedding anniversary. That's right. We got married on the 31st. So, sure. Um, and there will be many more. So next year you can applaud at the same time. So it's going to be great. But when he first called and asked us to do that, I was, I was really thinking. I was like, are you sure about that? Because... <laughs> Uh, you, you obviously don't know me that well. I'm a little bit random, a little bit ADD on there, but I uh, just know that I've had my coffee, I've had my Adderall, this sermon's going to be over in about 45 seconds, so uh, it's going to be wonderful. So anyway, we are in Luke, if you want to turn there with me, we're in Luke 17, verses 1 through 4, as we're heading into a new year, um, I am a notorious uh, overpacker. Uh, back when I was in college, uh, I, uh, going on a mission trip with our BCM at that community college in Tuscaloosa, you don't need to know about, uh, we, we went and I packed, I actually packed on this mission trip an ironing board and an iron. I don't know why they let me go on this trip because it was on the beach. We went to the beach and I took a, I was that person. And, uh, and, and as a traveling recruiter for New Orleans Seminary, classically overpacked. And, uh, and as we're coming into this year, uh, we're, we're looking at, we're, we're coming out of this year, going into the next year, and so I'm kind of looking at the terms of baggage here, okay? And so we're coming into this new year, and uh, I would like to do a little year in review, if you will, just to, just to point out some highlights that, that have happened in this past year. Um, for example, we have uh, the, the Trump inauguration had happened, uh, which I should have, I should have not had this one. I should have had the Trump tweets is really what has lasted on throughout that. Uh, we have had the Russia investigation. And uh, to be honest, with all that's come out during this investigation, I'm not even sure who's being investigated anymore. Every time I read the news, it's like they're lumping in. in some, at some point, the people investigating have been investigated. And so I'm, I'm just confused about this one. Uh, this uh, North Korea weapons testing. That's affected uh, our global markets. And uh, I don't think we're done with this little cherub of joy uh, hanging out in North Korea. Uh, we're praying for him. And um, also NFL protest. Uh, that's been something that kind of really uh, part, put part of the conversation in. And I look at this and I think I have so many comments and this is so not the place to talk about it at all. So uh, uh, in, in a, in a little, uh, little more tragic time during the year, there was the London high-rise fire. 
and uh, this has affected so much. Uh, London is is the it's our it's our New York, of course. It's a it's a hub for communications and culture throughout the world, and this uh, this captured the heart of so many people around the world. We had Hurricane Harvey. Uh, Hurricane Harvey. I had a niece in the middle of all that, and it was something that I was uh, so impressed by the Cajun Navy. Uh, res- response. You know, we kn- we know about the the heart and and uh, the work ethic uh, of our good Louisiana people, but I feel like the world really got introduced to these people there, and I was so impressed. And also the Southern Baptist response to it and disaster relief. If you work with disaster relief, I commend you. Uh, outstanding. And not to be outdone, Hurricane Maria made her way in, and Puerto Rico just decimated the island. And again, the Southern Baptists were there and have been carrying the bulk of that response, even honored by the president himself through that. And uh, the Las Vegas shooting, there's still, we, we just don't know. There's so much we don't know about what happened here, but it was a major event. Uh, they, this has colored uh, so much of what we do with public events. And uh, the Texas church shooting, and the North American Mission Board uh, response, that was huge for me, that they chose, uh, they, they made available for everyone, uh, everyone's funeral through this, that they would pay for it. And they also, they've had a donor come forward and has uh, opted to, they're tearing down the old church, they're going to build a brand new church. And so, and also ongoing stuff, they have the sexual misconduct allegations uh, that are going on this year. Victims of society's elites are now having their day. And uh, so in the midst of all this, we've, we've, that's just the big picture stuff, isn't it? That's just the big picture that's happened this year. And sometimes I look at these things and I think, I can't believe that happened this year. It feels like it happened two years ago. Uh, and, and such as that, it's just so much in a year has happened. But we, then we break it down from there and we have the, the, uh, the close, intimate, personal things that we have experienced in our lives and so how do we unpack it, the baggage of 2017 and welcome 2018? And so Luke 17, 1 through 4, really gives us the, the idea of how we can move forward in this. So let's read together. We're going to read this passage and we're going to pray. So let's read together. Luke 17, 1 through 4. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through which they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a, with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we are moving into this next year, that we would lay at your feet those things that would hold us back, that would keep us from growing in you. Father, we ask that as we forgive others and you forgive us, that the relationship between us be cleared and restored. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Luke 17. This is a two-parter. I love how this is broken down. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this first section is uh, very simple. It's, Jesus is being very pragmatic. He's very, being very realist. And the first part of this section is telling his disciples, uh, don't be a snare to others. And the second part of this passage is saying, but in the event that you have been ensnared by others, uh, this is how you move forward. 
I think if we recontextualize verse 17, uh, sorry, verses 1 and 2 into modern, modern day society, it would be something like this. There are suckers who will, be, uh, who will take the bait. Don't be the one who sets the bait. And so there is this great, great warning here that as, as people are, are Sorry, as people are, are going to stumble and as things that bind them up are bound to come. And the idea here is of a snare and that you take a willow and you pull it over and you trip someone along the path. And, and it, it talks there, it talks about, it comes with a dire warning and it even shows this deadly image that's here. Now drowning was used as a form of execution in their day, but they didn't use these stones to do it. These stones were very much a part of the, the industry of the community. You would bring your wheat and everything and you'd put it there and they'd grind it out uh, with the oxen there. And so they wouldn't put a millstone around your neck or tie it to you and throw it into the sea. Uh, that's just not something that they did. But the image was very clear and Jesus uh, was uh, very straightforward about it. It says, do not be the means of another person's stumble. And so don't set the hook for someone else. Now we, as, as he is talking to the uh, disciples, he looks at them and he says, so watch yourself. And this is a great transition verse between these two points that don't trip up others. And if you've been tripped up, uh, this is how you move forward. This watch yourself. And this is a great statement to leaders. Uh, as, as I uh, uh, become a deacon in the next year, this is something that has haunted me to some extent because as a leader in the church, you are placed forward to be a guard, to be a standard bearer, to be someone who, who watches after those uh, who are following you. And in the midst of this, you, you are not to be the person through which deceivers come because they are coming. That anytime you have success, just know that there's a critic waiting there. Anytime you do anything worth doing, there's someone who's willing to take the credit for it or to make fun of you for having done something different. So in the midst of that, don't be a part of the snare that ensnares others. But then we move into this next section. In this, we have this view of forgiveness that we are to forgive. And it's also a conditional, by the way. It doesn't say, forgive your brother or sister against you when they sin. It says, if your brother or sister sins against you, and if they repent, forgive them. It's conditional. So what, is, what are some incomplete views of forgiveness? They are, forgiveness is not taking revenge, because oftentimes that's not an option. For the people who were in the Las Vegas shooting, they can't take revenge on the person who did this heinous crime. And what happens in the situations when they've been in the midst of uh, natural disasters? Who, there is no one to take revenge against. Forgiveness is rapid. Rapid. You just move on. Forgiveness is rejoining a normal life. Forgiveness is overlooking a wrong as if it never happened and it's not a big deal. Forgiveness is an unemotional, once and for all act of the will. Forgiveness is an absence of all negative feelings toward the abuser. And forgiveness is never bringing it up again to oneself, to others, or to God. These are wrongful views of what forgiveness is. But so often, this is what people put forward as forgiveness. You just need to forgive and forget. You just need to move on with your life. You just need to get past this. Because under these views, the problem is the offender is more accommodated than the victim. 
If you don't have the ability to hold an offender to, to the uh, fire of their consequences, to, then it is very possible that the abuser may offend again. But forgiveness is a means of restoration. Forgiveness is viewed from the experience of the victim. And it is understood as only one part of the healing process. And we see this in the Old and New Testament because when God forgives, we see some amazing things happen. Every time you read in the Old Testament about the Israelites who, who rebel against God and leave, and then, they, and then they start to repent and start to come back, we see Scripture tell us, uh, establish some things. One, it has boundaries that are established. God will say, you will worship me and you will worship me only. It will say that you must offer these sacrifices on these dates. You must do these things to, to show the rest of the world that you have repented and that you are loyal to me. You have expressions of fidelity that are required. I tell you, one of the best things that's a wonderful thing that when I'm out there and I work with college students and we work with faculty, one of the things that I make sure that I talk about a lot is my ring and why I am married and how much I love my wife and, and how much I have a family with them because no one needs to misunderstand that I'm not just a nice guy. I'm a minister. I'm nice because I'm a minister and Jesus loves you. I'm not nice because I'm hitting on you. And so I make sure that these expressions of fidelity, these visual cues of fidelity are there. There also has to be consequences. When God forgives, we see consequences. We see that he allows the children to be taken into captivity. And not only that, we see drawn out experiences of discomfort. We see them remain in captivity for, for a season. We see that God allows the offender to remain in an uncomfortable situation while that message sinks in. I don't know about you, but I love to be quick to relieve someone of the discomfort of, of, uh, of their offense. And sometimes that's not the best thing to do. Luke 17, 3 through 4, shows these elements of forgiveness. Jesus joins us in our suffering and is not disconnected from our experience. Know this, that is distinct to Christianity. Our God joins us in our suffering we do not have to earn our way to him. He is intimately with us in the midst of what we go through. There's acknowledgement has been done by one person to another. It's also called confrontation. Repentance is not just remorse. Repentance involves change, it involves time, it involves hard work and possible treatment. If someone comes to find out in the midst of them dealing with a particular issue or sin or abuse in their life, it may be that they need to go and see someone long term before they can be accepted back. In fact, the early church understood this very well. How, how did the idea from those with Catholic background, how did penance come about? Penance came about through the, through the tradition of the church that in the early church, when, when Christianity was illegal under the, Roman, uh, under the Roman government in the first couple of centuries, what the government would do is they would, that when they found out uh, that there was a church meeting nearby that was illegal, they would go and they would pay someone to go and find that church, join that church, and return to them and rat that church out and give them information on it. And then they would go in and they would seize those people and bring them out. And then they would tell a member of that church, they would say, 
they would pull out one of the people and they would say, if you will go and collect for us your church documents and come back and bring them to us, we'll let go the rest of the church. Now, under this circumstance, they joined the church under pain of death. They understood what the consequences were. The new responsibility of the person they send for the church documents is to take those letters, collect them, and go start a new church. And the people that they left behind were to perish. They understood this as part of the church growth. And so, if the person then went and collected their church documents and brought them back to the Romans, because remember, everything's handwritten, uh, they would take them, they would destroy them, and they would let the people go. But they understood that the message was more important than the people. And so, they had this idea of penance. What would happen is they would say, you are not, and since you went and you gave up the church documents, and, and you've now left us without these readings, you are now to go, let's say they were in Jerusalem, you are now go, to go to Macedonia and spend two to three years copying by hand a new copy of everything that we gave up. And then when you return back with fresh copies of everything, we will let you back in. Now what happens if the person who joined to begin with then converted to Christianity? What they would say as a penance for that person, they would say, okay, you may join the church. We believe you've had a salvific experience. Now you must go join the church in Egypt. You, you cannot stay here because it's too, it's too dangerous for the church's growth for you to stay with us just in case you're lying. And so in that process, this, this uh, restitution that was taking place, the forgiveness was there, but restitution needed to take place. And so we look to this. And forgiveness, forgiveness is this. It's learning to live again without being defined by self-pity or revenge. And so when you forgive someone else, it's, it's that your life is moving on. Facing life soberly without denial, escape, or negative behaviors. You don't have to deaden the feelings by anything else, uh, but, but you, have, you have truly forgiven Forgiveness is telling my story, not for victimization or slander, but simply to show I am a person of dignity and value and a recipient of God's grace. You, when you have been victimized, you have, it's your story. You have a right to tell your story. But someone, we've all seen, the person who feels hurt and the hurt seems to grow and their story grows with the hurt. And all of a sudden it gets worse and it gets bigger and it gets more extreme and those sorts of things. They're, they're not telling the story to talk about God's grace. They're telling a story to, to highlight the fact that they have been a victim and they, they don't feel that they have received whatever justice they're looking for. But to tell your story to say that you're a person of dignity and a recipient of God's grace is completely legitimate. Forgiveness allows for outrage at injustice on behalf of whoever is suffering, even if that person is yourself. When someone has hurt you and, you and they could possibly hurt again, you have a legitimate feeling of outrage and a, and a devotion to seeing that that doesn't happen again. We see Jesus do this in the temple when he flipped over those tab tables of the money changers. This was, a, this was an area of the temple set up to be the only place where the Gentiles could come and interact uh, with, with uh, Jehovah. And yet the, the Jews went, the Sanhedrin went and set up a bartering system. It's like trying to have a quiet time in the food court of the mall. And Jesus walked in there and, and totally destroyed this corrupt system in the midst of it out of outrage for this injustice. 
Forgiveness is letting go of the past without disconnect from the pain. Don't bury the pain, deal with the pain. And forgiveness is a radical statement to the world that there is more to the story and the ending has yet to be told. I love this last one. Forgiveness is a radical statement to the world that there is more to the story and the ending has yet to be told. And so what better way to show the world and to show abusers out there that they have not broken you than to move on and have success in your life and to know that you can, you can face the pain and move forward in a, in a healthy way. And so that's what scripture offers us in this, in this coming year of unpacking our bag, baggage, whatever it is in your life that you've experienced, that you can unpack those experiences in a biblical way and look at this and you can call it what it is. You got taken. You got taken advantage of. And for some of us, you look at this and as you grow, you realize you took advantage of someone else. Or maybe... As, as I did a study this summer about uh, fools and follies. There's nine uh, Hebrew words for fool. And I find myself in the list. And if we did that, you'd find yourself in the list. But one of those, uh, one of those fools is the pithy. And that pithy, the simple fool, is the one who's dangerously open, wildly naive. And they're the one that, that the abusers look for because they can use them to abuse others in a secondary sense. And so... Sometimes you find out that someone else hijacked your own credibility and used that to abuse someone else. And to be able to admit that is part of that process of moving forward. And so my challenge is part of the invitation, an invitation to begin the healing process of forgiveness. Marie Fortune wrote, when we have been deeply wounded, someone has acted unlovingly towards us. The antidote is to be bathed in love until we are so filled that the overflow becomes forgiveness. And you've heard it said, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Anyone could put down the poison and begin to heal. So through Jesus, we can truly forgive the offender. And that is the, that's the invitation today. So as we close in prayer... Uh, I want to give that an opportunity to come forward and talk to Thomas and to pray and to lay these things down. And don't go into the new year without unpacking that baggage. You can let this go. You can let this die this year or at least begin the process of healing for the next year. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come here. I thank you that you offer us forgiveness. I pray that during this time... You bring to mind these two groups. One, that how have we allowed someone else to offend others through us? Father, grow us to be wiser. Help us to develop those healthy boundaries that keep others from harming. And Father, those who have taken advantage of us, we wish to forgive. We wish to forgive so that we can restore our relationship with you and our relationship with others. We give you praise that you strengthen us to do this through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.